Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those Jay and Silent Bob type pictures, man. And I'm breaking the silence to tell you that you're listening to the Buff and the Blazer podcast with Drew and El Tato. Enjoy the show, kids. Hey, El Tato. What's going on? We got a podcast of Buff and the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffintheblazer.com. Drew over there writes a article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to episode 67 of the Buff and the Blazer podcast, the show where we break down, discuss movies, old movies, new movies, everything in between. I'm Drew, and once again, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Mr. El Tato. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Nothing much. Yeah? How are things up on the mountain? Kind of chilly right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even Spring down here. kind of showed up, and then it's getting cold. Yeah, it got again. a little shy. Yeah, well, winter will come back one more time and drop some snow, and then it'll be summer. Yeah, winter. Speaking of winter, no, this winter? has nothing to do with our movie. I was going to say, <laughs> no. that's going to be kind of hard to yeah. connect that one. No, 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 I'm not even going to try. Well, the film we're discussing <laughs> on this episode is uh, called City of Lies, and it was a new digital release, and I guess on IMDb they have it slated 2018, but... um. It must have been delayed at some point. But anyways. I I saw a little blurb about why it was delayed. Apparently, there was a lawsuit between Johnny Depp and somebody who worked on the film. Ah. Like, he assaulted them. Oh, great. Awesome. So, more to the the Depp uh, baggage. I don't know how any of it turned out, but that's (laughs) apparently why the film wasn't released. Okay. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. Sure. So, City of Lies, directed by Brad Furman and starring Johnny Depp, Forrest Whitaker. The week was a little bit slow on the new release front. There's a lot of like smaller films being released, not any big temple movies coming out this week. So came across this on iTunes and I was like, this looks interesting. And the actors are good. So I was like, all right, maybe we could do this film. Well, anyways, we both saw it rented. It was like what for me, it was like six ninety nine. I think yeah. to rent. Yeah. So not like one of those $19 films to rent. So I was cool with that. Let's jump right in. What did you think of City of Lies? And do we want to even like, I guess we can preface by saying the film is about like the it's, murder surrounding Tupac and Biggie Smalls, right? Yeah, specifically Biggie. Yeah. But it's like a docudrama, right? right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of real footage and then there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, crossover, right? They're kind of like it's almost reenacting a bit. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I guess is worth mentioning is, so this officer that Johnny Depp plays, Russell Poole, there's a, there was a book that was written on his kind of theory of what went down, and this film is kind of based off of what was drawn up in that book from that officer. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of the film? <laughs> um, it's a kind of a mixed bag. I'll start with the negative. I thought it was like really heavy on the uh, over-dramatized cop movie. Uh-huh. You know, with a lot of smoking and deep talking. Yeah. You know, just that cheesy kind of almost like caricaturized L.A. Confidential type thing. Yeah, totally. You get what I'm saying? It's It's like comfortably within that genre. Yeah, and a lot of that I was not into and found quite annoying. <laughs> But, like, the subject matter and, like, the the details of the case had my interest peaked because they're somewhat based on a true story and it's based on this this one cop's theory of what went down. Right. So I found that, all that part of the story quite interesting. Yeah. So all in all, it was like I was interested and I was annoyed. Mm-hmm. Like, almost as if I would have, I'm not super into, like, murder documentaries. Yeah. But I would have probably liked that more. 
I get than, you. than this dramatized version. Oh, dude, like, after watching this, I was, like, fascinated with the whole case and everything, and I'm, like, even looking for documentaries on the, the actual mm. events. Because, I mean, I think everyone's sort of generally aware of, like, the situation involving Tupac and Biggie, like, what happened and, like, the circumstances of the crime, but I didn't know, like, there were all kinds of these, like, different theories out there like this one. Um, yeah, I haven't paid much attention to it. Like, I remember where I was exactly when uh, I found out Tupac had died. Uh-huh. I was, like, in my mom's Honda CRV, and it came over the radio. Oh, damn. And I was, like, getting picked up from a friend's house. I was pretty young. Yeah. I was, like, maybe 12 or something. Uh-huh. But I don't ever really remember, like, following either case i don't remember where i was when i found out when biggie died yeah but i didn't follow any of the cases and that's the one part of the movie that i was like oh this is this is kind of interesting that they've gone unsolved for this long yeah and they kind of paint a pretty <laughs> a pretty bad picture of the police in <laughs> yeah. this movie which is you know thematic with this year yeah so uh yeah it was like a mildly mildly entertaining movie i don't think it was that great though okay yeah that's fair i think i'm kind of in the same boat as you in terms of a film and like how they execute the story it wasn't the most solid film i've ever seen there's a lot of different things i was kind of picking apart and i'm like yeah but aside from that the subject matter i think and the circumstances of like the events that's what kept me engaged throughout the whole film and kind of yeah. kept me glued to it. And I mean, Forrest Whitaker and Johnny Depp together, that's an interesting pair to me. They're both like really high caliber actors, both Academy Award winners. And I just thought it was, it was interesting. And I liked how they, they kind of infused like real world footage and stuff like that within the film. So you can kind of like reference back. And I really liked how it started off with, like the radio broadcast and TV broadcast and stuff with just a black screen. So it kind of drops you in immediately like into the events. But yeah, some of the execution of the story I thought was a little like rushed and just seemed like it, everything came together a little too quickly, but I, I did appreciate the story quite a bit and it piqued my interest to, to kind of dive in a little further into like what actually happened because I just think it's a, it's an interesting kind of theory. Yeah, it didn't push me that far. Yeah. I, I wasn't jumping on YouTube and looking for conspiracy videos after the movie. <laughs> no, like, well, so for me, like, I mean, I was totally aware of, like, you know, Tupac's murder and Biggie's murder, but the details of it, I never really paid attention to. I was, like, pretty young when all that happened. Yeah, same here. Um, So just to even get, like, a general rundown of, like, the circumstances was interesting to me. But yeah, if there was ever like a Netflix documentary or something, I would totally pick up on it now after watching this because it piqued my interest. Yeah, well, people are, especially Netflix right there, they got the money to do a deep dive. Yeah. Like a 10-episode series. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> There's nothing that's more like cash money in the in the doc business than unhashing an old murder case. Yeah. And just picking it apart for 20 hours or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. Right. I don't know. That's an interesting one. Do you think this movie will spark interest again? Um, I'm going to say no. And the reason I'm going to say no is because had it not been a slow movie week for us, I don't think we would have reviewed this. <laughs> like, this wasn't really on my radar. Same. And it's a, it's a small, like, I mean, it's practically an indie film. It's, it's not made by any of the big studios or a big production house. So I don't think it's on a lot of people's radar. If you were to ask someone, oh, have you seen City of Lies? They'd be like, you know, probably 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 people would be like, what's that? Yeah. So I don't think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but had this been like a Fox film or Universal? Yeah, totally. I think so. So let me ask you this first before we, we dive in. Like in terms of your familiarity with like this story, not so much like the theory, but just the general overall like Tupac, Biggie Smalls, like their murders in the case how familiar were you of the events like the general events before you watched this um i had seen the footage from the biggie stuff before somewhere i don't know where okay and i'd seen the tupac casino footage where there's that big brawl i've seen that before okay okay 
But that's about it. Yeah. All right. I never paid attention to any progression in the cases, either one. Okay. And then I guess before we start talking about it, I guess we can dive into spoilers, right? I mean, at this point, they're not really spoilers. If they're it's not really a, a spoiler type of movie. There's no big reveals or anything. Right. Obviously, the cases is still unsolved. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just go in. Okay. So, I'm going to start off with a criticism. <laughs> <laughs> because it happens pretty early. So, like we said, Johnny Depp plays this character, Russell Poole, who was a detective, and he was working on the Biggie Smalls case. And so I guess the film takes place in the 90s when it happens, but then it kind of flashes forward, and it's what, how many years later? It's already in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, I want to say like 16 years later or something. And he's kind of like still haunted by the events of the case because it he wasn't ever able to tie up any loose ends or anything. And Forrest Whitaker plays a writer, like a reporter, who's like also trying to figure out what's going on. Well, and he's got a guilty conscience yeah, for the story that he did originally, right? Right. He did an expose or whatever at some point in the 90s that blamed Biggie for Tupac's murder, something yeah, like that. something like that. So anyways, the general gist of the film is the two end up meeting, and it like kind of sparks a a re-entry back into the case. And my criticism is, so Forrest Whitaker, his character, Jack, he like, he knocks on an open door to Russell Poole's apartment. And they kind of have like this confrontation in the beginning because like Poole has a gun out when he finds them standing in his apartment. He's like, what are you doing here? And he basically like shoes him out because he finds out he's a reporter trying to get information on the case. And I think like, what is it? Almost like... Five to ten minutes later, he comes back into the apartment, and it's like they're buddy-buddy friends. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought, I was like, how do you go from that, like him holding a gun to the character, and then ten minutes later, they're back in the room, and then they're kind of like, it's almost lighthearted, like they were buddies before or something, when that's not the case. Yeah. And I thought that was like, that was kind of off to me. And I almost was like sensing that maybe it was something that got, chopped up in the editing room or something it's almost like it didn't fit together for me like he made his way in so easily yeah like he well he ended up befriending russell Poole, like johnny depp's character so easily after that first encounter when it was so tense mm. and so like antagonistic yeah i guess you could kind of answer it by saying you know pool was still tormented by it so like the fact that he realized somebody really wanted to yeah. dive in that he was ready to talk about it all again because that's all that's been going through his head for 15 years right and like in his apartment right he has like all the pictures plastered up like your typical obsessed detective (laughs) the conspiracy theory board (laughs) yeah yeah i can see that as a criticism i don't know that stuck out to me like my main criticism is with like the conflict of what you're supposed to be invested in in the movie Okay. So like I'm I became pretty interested in the details of the case mm-hmm. and all of the clues that start to get revealed. Yeah. Throughout the movie, but what I wasn't really connected to was like they kind of make you be sympathetic for both Poole and and uh Jackson. Yeah. And uh I wasn't really invested in either of those characters arcs. Yeah, I get you. I'm not really concerned with like the you know, the journalist that has guilt from a story he did a decade and a half ago. Right. And flipping his desk over and shit because he's so tormented by it and all this stuff. Like, I wasn't invested in any of that, you know? Yeah, I get you. And then another problem I have with, like, the overall thing is, like, okay, I get he's trying to solve the Biggie Smalls case. And his detective work has exposed, like, concretely that there's this massive like corruption within the LAPD with gang members being able to infiltrate and kind of operate within the LAPD. Yeah. And that's not enough for him. (laughs) He's like, yeah, yeah, but we need to connect it to this murder. And it like, it kills him that he can't do that. But he just exposed the corruption within at least at that moment, like the LAPD then it's like, isn't that a win too though? But he's totally like, he throws that away. Like, he doesn't care about that. He cares about connecting it to the murder. And I found yeah, that and interesting. It, 
and like the way the movie's presented, it seems like a lot to line up. Yeah. If those are indeed all of the factors. Right. That he pieced together. Because it's like his one main piece of evidence is that in the beginning, the car of that first crime is linked back to Death Row Records, right? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. I yeah. can't remember all the details. <laughs> but like it seemed the way it's presented in the film, it's like, all right, that's pretty, makes a lot of sense yeah. for me. Right. And then it gets back to like kind of a downer kind of outcome mm-hmm. where it's like, well, that's obviously why it's unsolved. Yeah. Because it's, you know, cops having to expose themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not happening. <laughs> you know? Oh, gosh, yeah. So it's like kind of depressing in that sense. Right. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm trying to think in terms of the ending. I'm even having a hard time recalling it myself. So how did, how did they wrap this up in the film? It kind of just ends open-ended, doesn't it? It's like there almost is no, well, I don't want to give it away, but like something does happen. And I don't know if that part of the story is true or not. You don't oh, remember yeah, the yeah. ending? Yeah, Something that's right. kind of big happened. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> And thinking. I won't we won't say what that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's well, uh, that's well, kind of like the end of it, right? Right. What did you think of that? I mean, if that's what happened, that kind of sucks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's kind of depressing. It's super depressing. Yeah, it's I don't know. I our goal was like to try and get away from the heaviness, right? And this I don't one ended think up so. and ended up being a little heavy. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. With our Oscar preview stuff. We were right? like, let's get off the train. And then we hopped right back on. Maybe Mortal Kombat next week. Yeah, man. Mortal Kombat for sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a twenty twenty one symptom thing. A little depressing. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Let's not draw out the story too much. Well, okay, let me ask you this before we move on. That's like, funny. Like, we thought it wasn't spoilery, and then it, while we were talking, we realized, oh, yeah, there's a giant spoiler. Yeah, yeah. And we almost gave it away. Yeah, I just blacked out, and I'm like, what <laughs> happened at the end? Even when you said, I don't remember the ending, I was like, I don't really either. And then I thought back, I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. There's one of those that kind of big happens. Yeah, kind of huge. <laughs> um, interest level-wise, like on a scale of one to ten, where were you after you saw this movie? Like a four. A four. Okay. Not interested in the the emotional part of the movie, the struggles with uh, Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker's characters, but the details had me slightly piqued. Yeah. And I feel like it paints a pretty solid picture mm-hmm. from a detail standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. To where my mind's kind of made up. Yeah, I get you. It's not going to keep me up at night, I'll put it that way, thinking about it. It shouldn't. I I hope (laughs) it doesn't for anybody. Uh, So we mentioned, I mean, I guess the two main actors in this film, Johnny Depp, Forrest Whitaker. So you weren't invested in their character arcs, but what were your thoughts on their performances? So I thought Forrest Whitaker was really good. Okay. You know, I I bought him quite a bit. And then with Johnny Depp, there's so much baggage character baggage yeah i know i know that it was like all right he's not eccentric he's not have weird quirky physical tics he's just like a beat down old man in this and then like a really headstrong detective yeah it was kind of hard <laughs> not gonna it, lie it really sucks like because johnny depp's a good actor <laughs> i know and that jack sparrow role ruined him well like i he's in one of my favorite movies ever in fear and loathing yeah, and, and he's, he's really great good in that, in that right? Movie. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's so good in that movie. So is Benicio. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. There's just a lot of baggage. Because <laughs> yeah. we did, uh, we did uh, Waiting for the Barbarians earlier, last mid last year. Yeah. And he was, like, slightly eccentric in that. Slightly. And it was, like, felt a little more normal than this. <laughs> oh, shit. This, this didn't feel that normal. For him, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I guess for me, I wasn't as... Because there's some roles where I I see Johnny Depp in, and I'm like, that's off. (laughs) This one wasn't so much that, but there is that baggage for me, too, where, like, whenever he's on screen in whatever role, he's kind of under a magnifying glass for me, and I'm like, 
all right, where's your little like Jack Sparrow tendency? The thing <laughs> I always laugh about when I see Johnny Depp in a role that doesn't require any sort of like extra eccentrics when he's just trying to play a normal person, like without any baggage, he even still like, he does this mumbly thing where like, it sounds like he's inhaling while he talks. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like really hard for me to focus on, (laughs) on his performance. But in this role, I was actually, for me, I think it worked. I think I was, I was actually, I bought him as his as the grizzled detective, I guess. Yeah, I think some of it had to do with like how much he leaned into the like the scene too much cop conversation yeah. mm-hmm. dialogue. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like with the, I don't know. There's just <laughs> something about cop movies that I don't like very much. I get you. I totally get you. This over dramatized fucking hand on the head conversational. Yeah. You know, smoking a cigarette. You know, it's just, I don't know. It <laughs> bugs me. Yeah. The the detective stories for me, the ones that I always end up liking are the ones where the detective is, like, totally out of his depth and gets his ass kicked and stuff and dragged around while he's, like, trying to figure out stuff, like Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. Mm. <laughs> he just gets jacked up and then is, like, trying to figure out what's going on. And we don't really get that with, with Johnny Depp, but I I did feel like... You know how some crime dramas, they paint the detective as like this, almost like a superhero, like he can't do anything wrong and he's nothing will faze him. I never felt that in this film. I always felt like he was kind of um, almost like timid at certain points when he's like trying to uncover stuff and he's uh, like investigating. That's a good point, yeah. Especially when he has a confrontation with one of the other undercover people. yeah. And he seems like he's completely like <laughs> he's totally timid and, and afraid. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'll, I I'll that give you that. He's yeah. he's not like the Keanu Reeves, you know, right. chase, chasing down Swayze through the fucking LA River. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then Whitaker, like, even though the backstory of like what's haunting him is that he he wrote a story that he regrets. The way he acts that out, that pain, like you almost buy it. Just he does a good job of playing a haunted person. Yeah, and that's just because that. he's such a damn good actor. Yeah, um, I'll give you that. Yeah, like I, I agree. I don't think <laughs> that's enough to to make me sympathetic to that character. Um, <laughs> just that storyline. So two other characters, Toby Huss and Dayton Callie. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. Yeah, but. This movie, every scene they're in is like the kind of shit that really <laughs> bugs me. Like the the golfing scene with Toby Huss. Yeah, like this. This just the <laughs> cop talk, man. Yeah, just like the over dramatic, fucking cop conversations. I'm not interested in them at all. <laughs> what do you like him from, Toby Huss? Fucking Reno, man. Reno nine one one. He's Big Mike. <laughs> yep. He's in so many episodes. It's hilarious that they cast him in, in this role. I know. Uh, but, I mean, again, I bought him in that role in this mm-hmm. film. I bought it, but, yeah. yeah, like, I didn't I didn't like any of it. Right. Right. <laughs> and then Dayton Callie. He's yeah. been in so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm he's on at... uh, a few shows that I've really liked. Yeah, oh, yeah, his... Deadwood. He was on Law & Order, too, CSI. Oh, those are so bad. Yeah. Yep. Law and Order is like the perfect reason, example why I hate like cop talk. <laughs> Law and Order. <laughs> yeah. It's just so annoying. And it's crazy. Those those shows run forever. And I don't know. They it, must have a following if they're still on. Yeah, because the well never runs dry with crime stories. Yeah, that's true, right? You always yeah. have something. Always. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been like a crime crime story kind of person. No. Like I know people who will like pound through true crime podcasts and I'm like, "Why? Why I'm do you do that to yourself?" <laughs> Me either. I did like True Detective, the first season. Okay. Have you so, seen that? Yeah, so every time I True Detective changed my mind, not with the genre, but I always sell True Detective like with the the line, I always tell people like, if you're not into crime dramas, you will like this story. 
Like, this is how good the story is. And I'm talking about the first season of True Detective. Yeah, I didn't make it through the second season. I stopped. No. And I, I heard the second season was way worse. But yeah, so that's crime drama done well for me. Because I think it's more about the characters, really. Well, and there's a very creepy religious angle that I like in that. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. It's almost like a horror. Yeah, right? Horror-style detective work. Yeah. So that's one of the few where I'm like... That's almost a masterpiece for me. This was not that. Not at all. No. Okay, so let me give you an example. I was watching Seinfeld <laughs> recently, and uh-huh. there's a, an episode where Kramer goes out to L.A. because Jerry takes his keys, his spare keys away from him. Uh-huh. And he loses his privileges. But there's a scene where there's like a, a cop scene. There's like a murder in L.A., and they're trying to pin it on Kramer. And there's like a extra super cheesy L.A. cop scene. <laughs> and it's on a sitcom, so it's like a caricature. But uh-huh. like, that's exactly what all the cops talking are in this movie. It's yeah. just super cheesy and really annoying. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Very, very. That's where my mind goes to is Seinfeld. The second there's like a cop over-dramatized like a crime scene, you know? There's that in this where yeah. Johnny Depp's walking around and taking pictures with his Polaroid. It's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking cop movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But but you can't, I mean, like you said, the Law & Order and all these true crime deals, people eat that shit up. Some oh, people man, they love have it. huge followings. Some people love it. Yeah. And, like, I get it. Like, if the case, if you're interested in the case, I see why people get, you know, hooked on some of these stories. But I don't know. Like, had it not been Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker, I would probably have been less interested in this film. (laughs) Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Fair Uh, enough. So, yeah. I don't know. Who else? Is there anyone else we want to give a shout-out to? Shout-out Biggie's mom. Yeah. Was that actually her? Yeah, that's actually her. Wow. Okay. At the end. Yeah. Valletta Wallace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had, like, a few supporting characters. I thought, overall, all of the kind of, you know, ancillary characters were all really good and really believable. Yeah, I thought so, too. Did you like a lot of, like, the death row club scenes and stuff? I thought they were cool. I mean, in terms of, like, how they were shot and all that? No, just, like, believable. Um, like, all the characters. Like, they had... Like, they kind of reenacted Biggie. I don't know who the actor is that played him. Yeah, that after-party thing that he was at? Yeah, but I thought all of that was really cool and believable. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, what did you think about it, how they show the 90s? How they Pretty good. The 90s? Yeah, right? Yeah. I thought how so, I too. I remember it, but I, again, I was a little kid. Same, yeah. All right, cool. Well, so not, not too bad on the acting front. No, I thought it was the strong point. Yeah. Maybe from a technical side, even though a lot of the subject matter I was not interested in. Yeah, no, totally. I get you. All right. Well, we're moving pretty quickly today, but that's fine. I think. Whatever. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Let's talk about the filmmaking aspects of this movie, the cinematography and the look, the effects, all that jazz. So I'm trying to recall here. I think the, and I don't know if this is a, a product of, the director wanting to do this, but I felt like this movie looked like a nineties film literally. And I'm talking about the color palette. Like my memory of nineties films and nineties television is like this kind of like not sepia tone, but it's um, a very warm picture. And I felt like I got a lot of that in this movie. Like, especially in the beginning when you, you get introduced to the first crime that pool is entered, the pool Mm. enters at the gas station I was like, this looks like a 90s film with just the way the colors were. And I don't know if you have any comment on that, but I, that kind of stood out to me. Like the yellow? Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like it's kind of tinted? Yeah, and it, I felt like it captured the air quality of L.A. pretty good. Well, that's a good point, too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was one of the more realistic yeah. depictions no, of that's... Los Angeles and the, and the yellowness, not really blue skies like, <laughs> like you see in most movies. I take that back. It was just because uh, they had a bad smog day (laughs) on the day of shooting. And maybe the EPA standards were a little worse back then. I don't know. So it all worked out. 
<laughs> no, good point. But yeah, that that kind of like stood out to me. But maybe that's just because air quality wasn't as good in the nineties. I don't know. Uh, I get what you're saying in terms of like, I, didn't we just do a movie recently that was like flashback L.A. nineties? Um, that Denzel movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Little things. The little things. Yeah, that was yeah. also nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Seems yeah. Also seems L.A. To be a too. Theme. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I get what you're saying. I do feel like a lot of the outdoor stuff that they filmed in L.A. I mm-hmm. really liked in this movie. Yeah. And then a lot of like the, what is it, the police station in his apartment and all that stuff. That all just felt really kind of like nothing stood out as being unique for that type of indoor shooting. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Like conversation is like Johnny Depp's face is talking. and then- right. Forrest Whitaker's talking and you know no, what I mean? Yeah. Like that's my, I think that was one of my big takeaways. But now that you mentioned that there wasn't one shot that stood out to me where I was like, Oh my God. Exactly. Or anything that stood out to me that told me like the way this film is shot is totally different or like, yeah, it all seemed or, very kind of, this is how you do this shot. Yeah. Pretty standard in terms of like shot selections and all that. Um, no risk taking. No. Not anything that stood out to me anyway. <laughs> what about the age stuff? So Johnny Depp plays multiple ages yeah. in this. And so does uh, Toby Huss. Mm-hmm. Kind of subtle to me, which, I mean, it should be, right? Because it doesn't take place much long after when we see no, the it's No, it's not a lo- that long of a time. Um, but, yeah, I thought it, it made sense visually anyway, the way they were made up. I thought they did a decent job. What about you? Not so much. No, I'm thinking, what do you think he had more makeup on when he was playing slightly younger or slightly older? I think probably older. I think I thought older, too. Yeah. I like how he kept the stash, <laughs> but they gray him up a little bit more, I feel like. The cop stash. Yeah. Even Toby Huss, right? Does he have a stash in this movie? He does. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see him, I just can't. I just flash back to... You know, him hiding under his kiddie pool in the, <laughs> on the front lawn of his house in Reno. <laughs> yeah. You know, or doing something yeah. wacky. Yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> That's got to uh, be tough. That's got to be tough for some uh, actors to have played, like, really wa- wacky characters in a comedy sense. Yeah. Right. And have that be attached to how people see you. Yeah. I know. I, I feel like st- even still with that, like he still has way less baggage than Johnny Depp. Oh, He's yeah, just that's like, a good point. There's no way. <laughs> but yeah, and then F- uh, effects-wise, not a whole bunch going on. Maybe some gunfire, but that's about it. Yeah, there's some some good beatdown. I liked a action. lot of the, uh, the the car crashing stuff, like the car sequences. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The first major what what is he driving? Like a a Zuzu Trooper. Something like that. That car crash scene is pretty sweet. The outside confrontation with uh, Russell Poole and who's the other guy who he catches um, him in the act, the LAPD guy. I forget his name. Yeah, Rafael Perez. It's yeah. Like Neil Brown Jr. That scene was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know they the... shot that on some corner in L.A., you know? Yeah. You know what else I'm, like, always blown away by? It's probably because I just don't take the time to do it, but like in every film that's shot in LA, they're able to find some kind of hillside or something that perfectly displays the cityscape in the background. Yeah. On some like neighborhood. And I just I probably just haven't driven around in that area enough to be like, where are they getting all these shots? <laughs> there's a lot of hills north of the city, you know. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of I don't know. I haven't you know, explored LA that much anyway, because it's a fucking madhouse. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen the the city from those angles a couple times, like driving past yeah. LA to the north. Mm-hmm. It always looks but really good on film. It does. Yeah. I see it a lot from where I live, from you know, seventy miles away. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a tiny little bar graph on the horizon. It looks yeah. sweet in the winter time. Summertime, I can't really see it. Okay. Yeah. No, but at any time they shoot in LA there. There's always a shot like that somewhere. And it's, it's always really, really beautiful looking. That's what I enjoyed the most of the shooting, right? was all the outdoor LA stuff. Yeah. Same. Look good. Yep. And then, uh, of course we have to hit on score a little bit or even soundtrack. 
Yeah, I, that's I, a better term for this movie. Yeah, I love the soundtrack of this movie. Same here. It's like, to me, that's the golden era of like hip hop and rap, like the '90s. But yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> it was awesome. That's when I started listening to hip hop a bunch. Yeah, but it wasn't the main music I listened to all through the nineties. It was just kind of like, right. Same in the mix of a whole bunch of stuff going on. Nineties yeah. was pretty awesome for music. Dude, the nineties had great music to me and maybe we're biased. I mean, we grew up in that time, but anything I hear from the nineties, I'm just like, damn, that's really good. It gives and you that nostalgia, you know, it gives you that nostalgia that our parents and stuff have for the sixties and seventies yeah. music, which I like all of that too. Yeah. Same. But yeah, I have a special place in my heart for 90s music. And that's like across genres, too. Yeah. It's really, really good. And then score. I, huh? I enjoyed the music in this. And there was a couple of cool soundtrack background to shift to gi- diegetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I liked. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, In the opening scene, right? When the dude yeah, pulls the up and he's... right? Yep. I always enjoy that. Yeah, me too. And there's like a there's a little bit of score in here. And... It's kind of like electronic, suspenseful stuff, kind of beady underneath some of the stuff going on to heighten. Kind of like cliche copy. Sort of. I can't even really remember it. Yeah. Not really. It was a lot more like electronic sounding and just very rhythmic, just kind of Uh underneath. Nothing too crazy. But yeah, I I think the star, obviously, of this film is the the soundtrack music, like the, the actual songs. Yeah, songs. because it transports you back to that time. Yeah, and that's probably a huge piece of what brings you back to the 90s in this movie is, like, the music. It's an easy way to get back to any kind of time period. Just blast a song from, you know, a popular song from the decade or whatever. Yeah, and the fact that the music pulls you in, it almost pushes you away a little bit from the characters, right? Because the whole movie, there's kind of this push and pull between... Do you, are you paying attention to the case or are you paying attention to the emotional struggles of Russell and Jack? Yeah. And it's like the music, I think, m- pulls you more in the direction of like, oh, man, this was a cool time period. I'm, yeah. I'm curious about the case, but I don't give a shit about these dudes. You know, and that's I think that's a really good way and a really good criticism of this movie. It's like <laughs> the reasons that are supposed to invest you into a film which is like characters have to do with a huge part of that. Yeah. You don't really care about the characters in this movie. <laughs> yeah. You're interested in the events that happened and the circumstances of the case and the nostalgia of the nineties. I think like, I don't yeah. That's yeah. what make this film. And that's a problem. I think in terms of making like a solid movie, you know, if you're like, yeah, if you're concerned with everything surrounding the characters and not the characters themselves, that's always like a recipe for failure. Yeah. I wouldn't say failure. Not a failure. I'd just say just middle of the road, meh. Totally, yeah. It's it's like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, like right down the middle. Yeah. So that means, you know, half of people liked it, half people didn't. And that's about where I'd probably put it, because it's not an awful film, but it's... I feel like something like this probably could have been done better. Like, a lot better. I think the problem lies with going fully docu... Like, drama, mm-hmm. or going fully documentary. I think gotcha. it's hard to split the difference there. Yeah, yeah. Either go full drama and don't bring the old footage back in. Right. Just reenact everything. Or go full documentary and don't have the acting. Yeah, right? and I guess, yeah. The have other disappointing thing. Instead. Right. And for me, the other disappointing thing is that we just did The Father, right? And that movie yeah. was like, what, an hour and a half? Yeah. And every character in that film is fully fleshed out and fully developed. This film is almost two hours long, and I feel like none of these characters are developed. That's a good point. Like, you don't become invested in them hardly at all, like, by the end. It's such a waste of, like, two hours. And so that... didn't make me cry. No. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a downer if it made you cry. It didn't make me cry either. But I was kind of bummed out. I was like, man, you had two hours to sell me on these characters, and they don't really do that. And I'm not talking about the acting. I'm talking about yeah, caring about what happens to the character yeah, and their background. And I just didn't get that either. So it's kind of a bummer in that sense. It makes me appreciate films that are like, they use their hour and a half wisely. Yeah, the more and more like I, 
we do these films, when I see two hours, my expectations are automatically heightened. And that's probably a bias I shouldn't have, but it's like, all right, you better be able to flesh out characters in two hours (laughs) because they did it with the father and it takes place like, you know, in an apartment. Yeah. There's also a lot less characters in that movie. That's true. And I know it's, it's like a lot smaller, intimate story still, you know? So for me, the details of the case should be the character in this, not an individual. Yeah. That's another good point. It's like they can't make up their mind if they want to do that or if they want to flesh out the characters. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's, uh, I I think a reviewer that I followed before gave a criticism of a film and he called it unmolded clay. That was his review of the film. It's like it doesn't know what it wants to be. Mm. And I think it's kind of the same thing here. Word. (laughs) Pick one and do it well. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to straddle. Yeah. I get it. Um, And this director... Like Brad Furman, he did Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey, and kind of like another sort I've never of like even heard of that thrillery movie. And I thought that film, like that one, was done well. But this one, I feel like, is a kind of a bigger story in general. And it, Lincoln Lawyer also didn't it didn't involve I don't think it involved a true story. Mm. Anyway, 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 let's uh, let's start to wrap up here because uh, I don't want to I don't want to get too down on this. But anyways. Love and hates, right? Love hates. Okay. We do this every week, I think. Love hates. A little bit. All right. Let's start with you, Mr. El Tato. All right. I love the, like you coined it earlier, the 90s nostalgia. It's my favorite part of the movie. Uh Uh-huh. The music and taking you back to that time. It was kind of cool. That's what I loved the most. And what I hated the most is the cheesy cop (laughs) conversations. Probably like one of my biggest pet peeves in movies, man, mm-hmm. is like the cheesy cop back and forth. Yeah. With the lit cigarette and the glass of whiskey. Just so fucking played out. <laughs> uh, I want to see you write a crime drama. I just want to see what your characters are like. Write one? Just come up with one. Yeah. No. I think it I think it'd be a, it'd totally groundbreaking. It would change the genre. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I love and hate, man. I can't take those cop scenes seriously at all. <laughs> Doesn't matter what who's the, who's acting, what movie it is. <laughs> what uh, about you? It's like, what do you hate most about crime dramas? It's like, well, I hate the crime. <laughs> I hate the the cops. <laughs> but it's like it's true for me too. I I'm not a huge fan of this genre. No. <laughs> so yeah i think my loves go back to and it's not so much that i love it it's i i am intrigued by the events so the case itself yeah like, the details the details of the case that's what kept me engaged the whole film the 90s stuff was just kind of like it brought me back and it was kind of like you know a bit of the topping of this movie that made it a little more enjoyable to watch but like you the characters are hard to get invested in too even though for me they're played well and my hate is that is just that like two hours long and I still don't care about characters at the Mm. end and it it upsets me a little bit (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but you know it is what it is I'm not totally like upset that I saw this movie I think it's just it's it's average and I think I think there is an audience for something like this oh yeah there's probably tons of people that are super interested in it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think that's on different levels. Like, I think that goes people interested in the genre, people interested in the case itself, like Biggie, Tupac. What would you say about, okay, let me ask you this real quick before we get out of here. For fans of Johnny Depp. Uh, you probably won't like it. Okay. Cause he's not right. Like, he doesn't go there far enough. Well, that's a, that's an interesting question because like what, what Johnny Depp are you a fan of? Hmm. Right? Yeah. Because he's been in a shitload of movies. Yeah. And I guess that ma- that matters with who you, what character you identify him with in your cherished memories. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of young kids, he's freaking Sparrow. Yeah. For me, he's Hunter S. Thompson, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a complicated question with him. Yeah, I get that. But I think fans of the genre, I think there's enough of them to sell this movie to some people he's edward scissorhands yep for some people he's uh 
You know, the dude from uh, the Freddy Krueger movies. Enlighten me. I don't think I watched a lot of the Krugers. No, he's, I think he's in the first one. I in can't the 80s. Rem- I can't remember. He's just one of like, he's one of the teenagers. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I watched a lot of the Halloweens and a lot of the Friday the 13th. I didn't lot- watch a lot of Kruger. No. Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Yeah, I think he's in the first one. Huh. But uh, of course, he wasn't Johnny Depp back then. He's just kid actor in the 80s. Mm. I digress <laughs> a little bit. Easy to do. I want to, after we, we score the movie, I want to shout out a couple of old movies that I watched recently just because we got somehow got on the topic of older movies. Okay, all right. But, yeah, let's rank this. Go for okay. it. Okay, so I'll start. Story, plot, this one's kind of interesting for me because the general story of the case I'm into, the story of Poole and Jack Jackson, less so, and the execution of the story, I think, has problems, too. So, like, I think I want to give it, like, a... <laughs> Maybe I'll give it, like, a half point. Okay. I'll give it a half point. Characters and acting, I thought it was decent overall. And, yeah, there's there's still a little bit of that, like, Johnny Depp baggage. But I thought it was less so than what, than I was expecting. And then I thought Forrest Whitaker was great. And I liked all the supporting cast. So I'm also going to give that a half. So I'm at one. Nothing spectacular in the cinematography, but also nothing that I thought was stood out in a bad way. <laughs> and then... I see a trend here. Yeah. I'm also... Um, while I may not you know, enjoy spending time like in downtown LA or anything in my personal life, I like something about it I like seeing on the screen. So all that stuff was good, too. So I'm going to give that an actual full point. Okay. So where are we at? Two. Score, I'm actually going to give that a full point based on just the soundtrack. So what's that? Three. And then did I like it? Yes and no. (laughs) Kind of torn between, like, the execution of the film itself and then semi-telling a story about the events of these murders. So I'm going to give that a half as well. So what am I at? Three and a half? Three and a half. So three and a half from me. All right. I'm pretty much in the same boat. Okay. It's getting a little different. All right. It's getting a half on the story because I'm interested in the case, not the characters. For the story, it's getting a half. For the characters, I was more interested in all of the characters besides the main. So it's getting a half. And the acting was good, so it's a half. The cinematography, I'm going to not give it a full. I'm going to give it a half. Okay. Just because I think like all of the best looking scenes in the movie weren't because of how they were shot, but because of the landscape. Mm-hmm. And all the indoor stuff seemed very cookie cutter to me. So okay. it's getting a half. So I'm at one and a half. Score's yep. getting a full point. I'm at two and a half. And mm-hmm. the feels, it's getting a three. Or, gotcha. Sorry. Feels is getting a half. So it's getting three. Okay. So three. Three bong loads. Yeah, like you said, I was slightly interested in it, but not really invested in the in what you're supposed to be invested in in the characters, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. Huh? Details, not people. Yeah. And I guess it just comes down to, you know, most films that are released aren't good. <laughs> you, have a, you have a handful of ones that are, and it's just, uh, you know, you can't get them all right. But it's not awful. It's not awful. It's not awful. It's worth seven bucks if you're interested in yeah, the case. Totally, totally. Like if you want something to, you know, you want to watch something because you're bored, or like you want to watch something new. This one's out. It's. Mm. I didn't feel bad about spent renting it six ninety nine. So are we oh, done? Oh, I want to shout Alive? out. Okay, so let's let's get to your special. Yeah. Segment. So, uh, <laughs> I watched two '80s movies this week. <laughs> All right. That totally. Hold up and are awesome. Still, okay. I hadn't seen them in probably over a decade or more. Uh huh. Because I did, they once everything kind of went to streaming, I had no way of finding them. But the Labyrinth and fucking the Never Ending Story <laughs> are on HBO Max. They just <laughs> got put on there. Uh huh. And my lady had never seen either of them. Really. Yeah, and those were like huge ass movies for me as a little kid. They came out when I was like, you know, one, one or three or whatever, and they're awesome still. I watched both of them in the last two weeks. 
and they're awesome. I just want to say that. They're I've totally seen Labyrinth more, more recently than I've seen NeverEnding Story. Dude, NeverEnding Story is better than Labyrinth. Really? Yeah. Wow, it's I, still so cool, dude. I'm such a big fan of Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> Both of those movies are still Bowie, so cool. Like, come on, Bowie. But um, yeah, NeverEnding Story, I saw it a bunch as a kid. Yeah, I watched it probably, I don't know, 100 times as a little kid. Yeah. And, like, I'm trying to think of the year that movie was released, too. Let me see. It was, like, 86 or something, I think. Really? Yeah. I just remember it always being on as a kid. And, like, yeah. that was in the 90s. So I don't know. I don't know, I don't know where like... or if we had them on VHS as a, as a We Taught. I think we may have. But that's my old movie shout-out for the week to recommend. Because <laughs> I had been wanting to watch them again and see if they held up. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Labyrinth is pretty ridiculous, but the puppets and stuff are so cool. <laughs> and then just the uh, never-ending story is, is so, so freaking good. I Does love the it. horse scene still hold up? Dude, <laughs> the in the swamps of sadness, man? Yeah. Yeah, Artex? Yeah. Dude, it's awesome. I, I never ha- I never could handle that scene as a kid. Oh, it's, it's totally awesome. Go watch them <laughs> if you got HBO Max. All right, cool. And don't I'm, remake them, whoever's out yeah. there. Don't remake them. <clears throat> yeah, that's gonna be tough. But yeah, it's, <laughs> we live in an age of make like remakes. But HBO Max, yeah, it's like pretty pretty sweet. A lot of totally. good stuff on HBO Max. I think out of all the streaming services I subscribe to, I've been on that the most. It's good. Mortal yeah. Kombat this week. Yeah. So Friday, but hopefully, yeah, we'll be able to get that one out, and that'll be the next one we review. But yeah, that's all I got, man, on this episode. Is there anything else? You got nah. it before we head on out? Kind of cool. blah of a movie. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So that was all we have for you. Episode 67. We broke down a little bit of City of Lies, directed by Brad Furman, and it's available digitally if you want to rent it. But yeah, it was, a, it was an okay watch. Okay watch. But until the next one, which should be Mortal Kombat. Yes. We'll catch you they guys next time. pushed it a week. So yeah. we couldn't do it this week. Right. So uh, that's all we got, man. And uh, have a good week, everybody. And we will catch you uh, with Mortal Kombat. Peace.